0: Hi and welcome to Book Club, a sales enablement pro podcast. I'm Olivia Fuller. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so they can be more effective in their jobs. Many organizations today are missing out on opportunities for revenue. Whether it be focusing on just one end of the client lifecycle or focusing too much on their own department, many leaders struggle to maximize client relationships due to misalignment across the revenue engine. In order to adapt to change in the business world today, stakeholders across revenue teams need to collaborate to unify the client experience. Enablement can play a crucial role in bridging the gap between sales and marketing to help reps establish trust with clients and grow revenue. This is a topic that Daryl Amy explores in depth in his book, Revenue Growth Engine. And I'm so excited to have him on the podcast today to share some of his key insights. So Daryl, with that, I'd love if you could just introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit more about your book.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me here today, Olivia. This is going to be so much fun. I'm a huge fan of what you're doing. I think it's so awesome. And I'm really excited. Revenue Growth Engine is about aligning sales and marketing to accelerate growth. After spending, starting in sales uh, in the early 90s, and then also getting involved in starting a digital marketing agency in 2004, I've spent the last almost 20 years now with one foot in the sales world, one foot in the marketing world, and notice, noticing that a lot of times we are not heading in the same direction. Also seeing that when sales and marketing get aligned and focused on the same goal, Um, amazing things can happen. And so that's why I'm passionate about the revenue growth engine, helping companies build an engine to accelerate their sales and marketing growth.
0: Fantastic. Well, again, I'm so excited to have you here with us. And I know I learned so much from your book. And one of the core things that you discuss in this book is a common problem that organizations experience where they either focus on gaining net new clients or selling to existing clients but not always both. So in your experience, why might organizations only be focusing on one or the other?
1: Well, we tend to lean on, I think, what we're good at. So if you've got a an organization and you know, this was these are the organizations that I grew up in. We were hard charging sales, go get the deal, ring the bell, let's, you know, let's go land it. Um, and and so we would we would get the deal and we leaned on that. And you know, I love. Uh, my friend Mark Hunter says, you don't close a sale, you open a relationship. So mindset of sales is I close the deal. I remember my very first company I worked for, uh, they used to have a a policy that uh, I actually have adopted. And it's even in the book uh, called 100% sold. So we would come back with the first order for a net new client, we'd be like, yeah, we got the new order, we'd ring the bell, we'd write it on the board, we'd celebrate. And uh, very quickly, after about five minutes after the celebration, uh, the sales manager uh, would come up and go, okay, great. Now, what are we going to do with that client? Because the reality is for most organizations, you've got a, a wide portfolio of products and services you sell just because you land a deal. That's just the opening that that begins the relationship. The challenge is most sales centric organizations are really good at landing deals They're not necessarily good at expanding deals. Um, So they're good at net new. They're not good at cross sell. They're good at market share. They're not good at wallet share. So what I've discovered, and this is what gets me really excited. And actually, this is uh, the key theme behind a book I'm writing this summer called Exponential Growth is when we get both of these going at the same time, net new and cross sell, all of a sudden we move from linear growth to exponential growth. And, and what I see happening in organizations right now is, is companies, and I'll ask companies, are you better at net new or are you better at cross-sell? Great thing right now for all of us uh, listening in right now. Are we better at net new or are we better at cross-sell? If you get good at both, and I say put processes in place for the one you're not good at, and if you can show modest growth in both net new and cross-sell at the same time, it's astounding, Uh, what can happen. 12% growth in each of those areas can literally double revenue organically in 36 months. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up revenue impact. um, Because as you mentioned, only focusing on one end of the client lifecycle means that a lot of organizations are missing out on revenue. So how can focusing on really the entire revenue engine help organizations grow revenue?
1: Well, you know, it reminds me of the idea behind the book. And, and I'm, I'm a strange person. I actually like to mow my lawn. And the reason I like to mow my lawn is the phone can't ring, I can't check email, and I listen to great podcasts like the Sales Enablement Podcast while I mow the lawn. So anyhow, one day I'm mowing my lawn and I'm you know, puttering across the lawn and I'm looking down the driveway and I see my car and I realize... Um, you know, my car has an engine and so does this lawnmower that I'm sitting on driving. It just so happens the lawnmower, I looked it up later, that has, it has a 27.5 horsepower engine. Now, if I want to take my lawnmower and drive from where I am right now to Seattle, it theoretically is possible. It's going to take me a long time. Also, I had in the driveway a car with eight cylinders and 427 horsepower in <laughs> engine in that. And I realized every business has a growth engine. Every business growth engine, the sum total of your sales and marketing efforts. uh, The question is how many cylinders are in that engine? And the more cylinders we can put in place, the more power we bring um, to the engine. And so when we're looking at our companies right now, and, and this is what we tried to do, tried to do inside Revenue Growth Engine, is hold up a framework for you to look at and go, okay, what cylinders are in place? What cylinders are missing? And what would it mean to our organization if we were to add the missing sales and marketing cylinders in terms of driving results?
0: hmm I love that. So going back to the point that you made earlier around the value of relationships, you also talk in the book about building meaningful client relationships and the importance of really being seen as a trusted partner versus just more of a transactional vendor relationship. So I'm curious, how can reps really establish themselves as trusted partners with clients?
1: Uh, I love this question. And, and this is so critical. Um, and right now, Uh, It's funny that you ask that, because one of the podcasts, I co-host the Selling from the Heart podcast with Larry Levine, and this is the topic we're addressing right now and and throughout the fall is is trust, because trust is the most important commodity that any salesperson has. The problem is we live in a post-trust society, right? I mean, skepticism is an all-time high. Literally yesterday, and and this is a fun exercise, well, it's not fun, but it's a good exercise, Google the Edelman trust report and see what they had to say about salespeople and about companies and executives and marketing people don't get off the hook either. Uh, we were, we just salespeople just barely uh, were above politicians once again. And so trust is really hard. And, and this is, um, I believe that trust comes out of relationship and starting in relationships is the ball game. And so, you know, when you look at, at enabling sales, we talk a lot about, obviously, we need product knowledge. Um, in fact, it was just on the, on the phone yesterday with the sales enablement uh, leader for a, a large healthcare company, um, and they were talking about four core initiatives. There's a product knowledge initiative. Obviously, there's a sales skills initiative. There's a business process initiative. But then there was this uh, initiative, which I was there to talk about, which was the soft skills. And which is kind of demeaning, but soft skills yield hard dollars. And one of the things we've got to get uh, very competent at in enabling our sales teams to do is to be able to develop and sustain trusting relationships. I believe trust gets you in the door, loyalty keeps you there. And so this right now is is really hard. And and and. I don't know that anyone has completely solved the problem because a lot of the things that we've leaned on, like, uh, you know, independent market research reports, everyone goes, yeah, whatever. Right. (laughs) You paid to have that written, Um, you know, and even, uh, even, even testimonials and, and things like that case studies, people meet with such skepticism right now. So one of the things that I believe is critical in the next decade is enabling our salespeople to be able to develop relationships of trust with their prospects and clients when i say clients you know we know there's multiple decision makers in the b2b transaction, so i've got to be able to build trust um we call it it's selling from the heart we call it speed to heart how quickly can i get um to that relationship and so I think it's the ball game. I think marketing um, can help in, in a number of ways. This actually, uh, yesterday, I, I put together the outline of a book on this because I think it's so critical, but I don't even know exactly everything that needs to be in that book. I think trust building is the new frontier of sales enablement, and we got to figure that one out together.
0: Absolutely. So as you mentioned, trust is hard. And I think given all of the change that's occurred in the last year and a half in the business world, so from you know, the economic turbulence to the shift to virtual that many of us went through for the first time, um, this has in some ways only gotten harder. So what are some of the challenges that you saw revenue teams encounter in building trusting relationships with clients in the last year? And how can organizations really overcome those challenges?
1: You know, it's interesting. That's a, that's a fantastic question. And I think COVID and the, the pandemic and the, you know, moving to remote offices and distributed decision-making, larger teams. I was I was on a podcast last year at the beginning of the pandemic, and I was quoting uh, Brent Adamson's work around, uh, you know, there's 6.7 decision-makers. And I said, I knew that was more, it was funny. He actually chimed, this is a world we live in right now. He actually chimed in live and goes, it's 11 point or whatever. I was like, Brent Adamson's here. That's cool. Um, shout out to Brent. But, you know, it was it, that the pandemic, I think um, it was the great revealer um, because I think a lot of sales teams discovered um, that, you know, the emperor has got no clothes. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I'll quote Larry Levine again. He likes to talk about the empty suit, right? And, and when it came to relationships with clients, um, a lot of people began to realize that, hey, we, we don't really have great relationships with our clients. They're ordering from us, um, you know, and, and uh, Don Barden, another uh, new favorite author of mine, wrote The Perfect Plan, you know, I was having dinner with him a couple of weeks ago and he said, hey, look, when someone gives you an order, they're a customer. It's the second order when they become a client. And that's when you know you've earned the trust, right? And so I think during during the pandemic, what happened was it just was like this big spotlight on, oh, wow, we've got a massive trust gap here. Um, we've got a massive relational gap. Now, fortunately, um, a lot of smart, proactive salespeople, um, you know, What's great about sales is we figure things out and we get it done. So a lot of sales professionals said, uh oh. (laughs) And they got on the phone and they started building relationships, you know, and they got on on video and they started building relationships and 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 doing that. And you know, at the time I think there was there was kind of like, well, I don't know what else we can do because we can't get orders and you know, but but I think that moment of realizing that relationships are paramount um, was, was really critical. So I think while a lot of people kind of got caught with, uh, oh, (laughs) a lot of them stepped up, a lot of sales teams stepped up and actually developed that. Now here's the deal. Now that business is flowing again, are we going to begin to take the relationships for granted or are we going to begin, are we going to continue to invest in our network?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier the role that enablement can play in enabling trust and soft skills to help reps engage with clients more effectively. So from your experience, how can sales enablement best collaborate with revenue leaders to really maximize business impact?
1: I think the sales enablement profession is, uh, first of all, it's just awesome. I mean, it is really awesome. And the work that sales enablement people do Is really critical, important, and impactful work. I don't think sales enablement people get thanked enough, Um, and sometimes it's the exact opposite. So I just want to go on record right now: thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. It is very, very valuable. Um, I think sales enablement people, especially in enterprise and in larger companies, struggle because there's a lot, uh, a lot on your plate. Right. So between. Um, between all of the different training and product knowledge that needs to happen, the tech stack, and all the training around that, um, and 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 you know, it's just so many different competing things happening with with a sales enablement. I think one of the things that that we've got to do right now in sales enablement is get creative in terms of how we're educating our people um, and and developing skill sets. So. Um, you know, there's uh, just these thinking of another conversation recently, you know, everyone's gotten back in the classroom now that some of the restrictions have gotten down and now they're cramming in a year and a half of training <laughs> into, you know, these events, which is some of it's necessary. Um, you know, other organizations have been trying to enable and train their, their sales team through death by video uh, it used to be death by PowerPoint. Now it's videos of PowerPoint. Um, and uh, so one of the things that, that we're experimenting with at Selling from the Heart is we're looking at hybrid coaching models where bite-sized chunks, not in a classroom, on the go, um, and then operationalized uh, throughout the week through virtual community-based coaching. And, and so I think a lot of the things we're going to need to do um, as sales enablement leaders is look for creative ways Um, to take these core skills around product sales business process and the soft skills and be able to equip uh, reps to do that. And so I think it's going to take a lot of creativity. I don't think we yet know the answer to that. Uh, But one thing I do know about the sales enablement community is we're going to figure it out. And um, to me, that's, uh, that's exciting. It's a lot though. And Going back to the beginning of this, this segment, I just want to say a huge shout out to the sales enablement people because you're doing great work. You're working incredibly hard. And um, I, I just want to go on record saying thank you.
0: Absolutely. Well, I know our listeners certainly appreciate it. So throughout this whole conversation, and I know definitely in your book, A really core theme that stood out to me is collaboration, and particularly in that partnership between sales and marketing. And going back to what you were talking about a little bit ago with uh, how sales and marketing both play a massive role in that revenue engine, I'm curious if you can tell us maybe a little bit more why historically these two teams are often at odds with each other. It seems like, and then what is really the value of a strong partnership between sales and marketing teams?
1: Oh, why have they been at odds? This—I mean, this is a fun question. And I've had this unique perspective for the last, uh, I guess, now 18 years, where I've been involved in sales and sales development and and all of that, and then. Also been engaged on the digital marketing side through web search, social, inbound, account-based marketing now, and all of that. And um, what? Where's the gap? Oh, there's so many different different things. But um, rather than focus on the gap, and you know, there's different departments, there's silos, there's not shared language. There's all there's all kinds. There's a list of problems we could talk about for the rest of the podcast, but. What I discovered was when we realized, it's so funny because even as I was writing the book, the book is titled uh, How to Align Sales and Marketing. Um, And even just the title of the book, I'm like, do you put marketing and sales or do you put sales and marketing? Who goes first? And I, (laughs) right? You can tell uh, whether who's who's, uh, leading based on how they do that. I could not figure out a way to uh, do it without putting one ahead of the other or one on top of the other. And so um, the reality though, is it's not about sales and it's not about marketing as much as I love selling as much as I am passionate about sales and and sales development and all the, it's an amazing, amazing career. uh, It's not about sales and it's also not about marketing as much as I love the incredible technologies and, and innovation and, Um, I love the challenge of marketing. It's not about marketing. It's about revenue. And so the revenue growth engine actually came about while I was getting ready to present to a conference of sales and marketing professionals. And the, the marketing professionals had basically dragged the sales leaders to this growth conference. And the marketing professionals were all excited about the technology and gadgets. Sales leaders, you know, we were all in the back. They were in the back of the room, arms folded going, God, we could be out selling something right now. Come on. Um, but what I realized when I was preparing for that conference, the, nobody's right or wrong here, but what's wrong is the focus is not on our department or our discipline. The focus is on revenue and the focus is on revenue from ideal clients. And so what we unpack in the book is how to get aligned around revenue goals for net new and cross-sell how to get aligned around who your ideal client is and then the secret sauce that came to me while i was writing this book uh, is not only is it about the ideal client the way we align sales and marketing is we actually look at client experience so if you go outside the sales and marketing world to the operations world there's this entire rich uh, discipline called customer experience or cx And uh, when you look at that, when I saw that and I started reading the experience economy, started getting to know Joey Coleman with Never Lose a Customer Again, I realized, wait a second, let's stop focusing on sales and marketing. Let's start focusing on the customer experience. And then let's ask ourselves a question. What do we need to put in place to make this experience awesome, frictionless, um, you know, in create pipeline velocity? And now we put sales and marketing in the room, not to argue about who's right or who, who generated the lead or whatever, but we put them in the room to say, hey, let's look at the customer experience and let's collaborate together to make this customer experience amazing. And when we do, we're going to drive revenue and we're all going to win.
0: Absolutely. I love that. Well, Daryl, you have landed some fantastic points throughout this conversation. And I know I learned a lot from you. And I'm so excited to have our audience listen to this as well. So thank you again for taking the time today.
1: Awesome. Thank you.